Hi, and welcome to the Men on the Path to Love podcast, the Why Violence is Never Okay in Relationship episode. I'm Bill Simpson, your host. I coach men who are struggling in relationship, how to communicate effectively, build trust, and deepen intimacy so they can be the best version of themselves in relationship and live the life they love. You know, I think it's pretty obvious why violence is never okay in relationship and shouldn't really need any explanation, right? It's just never okay, period. So why am I doing an episode about it? Well, I recently had a day where it seemed like I kept getting exposed to domestic violence at some level over and over again. Um, That morning, I was disturbed to hear the couple in the apartment next to me having a loud and explosive argument, uh, so much so that we almost called the police. They did eventually calm down. And then later in the day, I went to see the new movie version of The Color Purple, where there was violence depicted in relationships. And even though I appreciated the redeeming of these actions in the movie, it was still hard to watch. And then later that evening, I see on the local news two cases where relationships were tragically ended by violence and death. And, you know, it seems like it's a daily occurrence where I hear or read about these type of tragedies. Not to mention the stories I hear from patients at the clinic where I work. And I was like, you know what, I got to talk about this. And one of the stories that stands out for me is Warren's story. Warren, not his real name, on the surface was a pretty decent guy. You know, he was well liked by most. He had a good job. He was in a relationship with a lovely woman named Wendy, not her real name. And it seemed on the outside like he had it all together. Well, where he didn't have it all together was when he drank. And that was mostly with Wendy. When he drank, he used violence to control Wendy. He would yell, call her names, and from time to time slap her and beat her, and even threatened her with a gun. Well, one night after Wendy had been beaten badly, she decided that this was the last time. And after Warren had passed out, it gave her time to think. (laughs) And she wasn't thinking rationally. No, she, she found Warren's gun in his nightstand and stayed awake all night because she was afraid. And in the morning, when Warren started to stir, Wendy cozied up to him, and he was feeling it, you know, and he started to rouse, thinking he was going to get some. With Warren's head leaning against the headboard, Wendy shot the gun into the headboard, causing Warren to freak out. She told him that the next shot was going into him, and he was begging and pleading and trying to talk sense into her. Well, soon after, they were interrupted by the police, who showed up after a neighbor had called. They were both arrested and taken into custody. Wendy was let go, and Warren was eventually sentenced to probation and mandatory anger management counseling, as well as alcohol rehab. Over time, Warren recognized the error of his ways. He joined a church and was fully committed to nonviolence. 
He started a program at his church where he often spoke to young men and mentored them about the impact that domestic violence can have on relationships and families. And that impact can be devastating. And in Warren's case, he was lucky to have survived and even more lucky to now thrive. Unfortunately, not all cases of domestic violence have this kind of happy ending. Most don't. And where you hear about these extreme cases of domestic violence in the news and whatnot, that's not necessarily the norm. So let me give you the definition of violence according to the World Health Organization in the World Report on Violence and Health. They define violence as the intentional use of physical force or power, threatened or actual, against oneself, another person, or against a group or community that either results in or has a high likelihood of resulting in injury, death, psychological harm, maldevelopment, or deprivation. Now, also according to the World Health Organization, globally, about one in three women have experienced either physical or sexual violence in their lifetime. And men can also be victims of relationship violence, but at a lower reported rate compared to women. And notice I said reported rate, as men are less likely to report an incident of relationship violence. Now, those are some basic statistics for physical and sexual violence. Um, but there are other types of violence in relationship as well that are more subtle and yet potentially more prominent. And that would include emotional or psychological violence and financial violence. And I'll break down both of them. Emotional or psychological violence uh, includes verbal abuse, uh, manipulation tactics, and emotional coercion. With financial violence, it's about controlling or restricting a spouse or partner's access to financial resources. And, you know, it's pretty obvious when there's physical or sexual violence in relationship, right? Not so much with emotional or psychological violence or financial violence. You know, both of them can be sneaky and hard to recognize, and it may not be immediately obvious, and victims of this type of violence may not recognize them as abusive, but they indeed are. Like subtle manipulation, which is about controlling the other person's behavior by being deceiving or guilt-tripping or gaslighting, as I've talked about before. Um, the abuser may subtly distort facts or make the victim doubt their own reality. Um, subtle isolation is an act of violence. The abuser may subtly discourage or prevent the victim from spending time with loved ones or friends, making them more dependent. Um, constant criticizing or belittling the partner might on the surface look like, you know, constructive feedback, but over time it can wear down the partner's self-esteem and it's actually uh, more violent than you would even expect. Another subtle tactic can be using love, uh, affection, or approval as a way to control and be emotionally harmful. You know, they may hold back affection or approval in order to manipulate the spouse or partner's behavior. 
Using the silent treatment is another subtle act of violence that you might not recognize. Yeah, I mean, passive aggression is aggression. Using silence as a form of punishment or control can be emotionally damaging. You know, this can cause anxiety and stress when there's this lack of communication. It can create this imbalance or power dynamic in the relationship. Um, Excessive sarcasm and put-downs, another example of emotional violence. You know, um, I'm not talking about your, you know, lighthearted sarcasm, but excessive sarcasm and name-calling, putting down, all that can undermine the partner's confidence or self-worth and, again, be emotionally harmful. And it often leaves them feeling humiliated or diminished in some kind of way. Uh, The subtle monitoring of the partner's activities is another one, you know, like checking their phone to see who they've been talking to or demanding to know where they are at all times, that kind of thing. Another sign of emotional control or violence. And one final subtle form of emotional or psychological violence is creating unrealistic expectations. And then once you do, Uh, expressing disappointment or getting angry when these expectations aren't met. And this is a real mind F. (laughs) You know, it creates a constant pressure on the spouse or partner, making them feel on edge or even doubting their own abilities. Now, let me shift over to the last type of violence that I mentioned, and that is financial violence. And frankly, I never would have thought that this would have been considered violent until I dug deeper. I mean, it is a thing, and I think it's worth diving into to shed some light on it. So what does financial violence look like? Well, again, it's all about control, and it can be very subtle as well, yet it can have significant and lasting effects on the spouse or partner's financial independence and overall well-being. The first thing I see a lot is when the person takes control of all aspects of finances, you know, from bank accounts, checking accounts, uh, credit cards, to making financial decisions, and even limiting access to or withholding money from the spouse or partner. Big red flag there. Pressuring the spouse or partner into taking on debt in their name without their knowledge or consent. And that's another way to have control. The spouse or partner may suffer financially and have to depend on the abuser. Using money as a weapon, you know, as a way to punish or even reward for certain behavior. Or threatening to withhold financial support unless they comply with all their demands. You do as I say and you'll get the money. Um, Stealing or misusing funds is another obvious type of financial violence. And to go along with that is identity theft. It happens, you know, financial violence can involve stealing their partner or spouse's identity for financial gain, leading to severe financial consequences and even legal issues for the spouse or partner. It's crazy. Um... And one last way financial violence shows up is preventing financial independence. 
And this is where they prevent the spouse or partner from learning or obtaining financial skills. And this could also include, you know, discouraging them from looking for career opportunities or employment sabotage, as it were, you know, where they may undermine their partner's ability to maintain or get a job or causing their partner to lose their job or keep them from further education or career advancement. It happens, I'm telling you. Just another subtle form of violence with financial violence. So I hope you can see now how violence can show up in relationship in various ways, from the obvious physical and sexual violence to the more subtle emotional and psychological violence, as well as financial violence. And it's not always easy to see, and that's why I'm trying to shed some light on this. And hopefully, with this awareness, you will keep your eyes open for the signs that you may be a victim of one of these types of domestic violence. And if you are, please get some support. Help is available by calling the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 800-799-7233. That's 800-799-7233. And you can also find this number in the show notes. And if you are exhibiting any of the subtle signs or the obvious signs of violence in relationship, I encourage you to seek help immediately, because violence, no matter how subtle, is never okay in relationship. There's a quote from author John Robbins that I think puts it in perspective. He says simply, Violence is a tragic distortion of the beauty that relationships can bring into our lives. You got that right. And that will do it for this episode of the Men on the Path to Love podcast, the Why Violence is Never Okay in Relationship episode. I'm Bill Simpson, your host. Thank you for listening. I do appreciate it. Now, coming up on the next episode of the Men on the Path to Love podcast, Do you find yourself keeping score in your relationship or does your spouse or partner keep score? You know, like keeping track of favors or self-sacrifices, you know, bringing up past mistakes or judging your gifts and so on. Well, check out the next episode where you'll hear Lenny's story and how keeping score almost ruined his marriage. Please join me for the Letting Go of Keeping Score in Relationship episode. And if you have any suggestions or topics for the podcast, any comments you'd like to share or have any issues in your relationship you need help with, please email me at bill at menonthepathtolove.com. That's bill at menonthepathtolove.com. And remember, you can always schedule a free hour-long, no-strings-attached consultation with me simply by visiting my website at menonthepathtolove.com. That's menonthepathtolove.com. You can sign up right there. And as always, if you know someone you think might get something out of listening to this podcast, please share the link and share the love. And until next time, keep your heart open and stay on the path to love.